friends, I want you to meet my favorite bilingual realtor, Elmer Garcia. You all know that a passion of mine is real estate investing, and having a great realtor by your side is essential. Elmer knows the city of Houston like the back of his hand, and not only is he highly regarded by his clients, but also by the professionals in his field. I can tell you from experience that he is attentive, trustworthy, thorough, and detail-oriented. He knows what I like, y'all, and seeks out opportunities for finding the right property for me. His services range from residential real estate to commercial and investment. He will guide you the entire way. I can tell you that. You can email him at elmerg.realtor at gmail.com or call him at 832-512-5752 or you can also find him on Instagram, elmergarcia underscore real estate. And don't forget, anything real estate is his forte. Welcome back to Vice by Alicia podcast. I'm thrilled that you're here and giving me a bit of your ear to hear stories and ideas that I find meaningful and inspiring. This podcast is designed to encourage all of you to be so inspirational that other people crave your vibes. I'm really excited about today because today we have one of our favorite friends, my favorite, favorite bilingual realtor, Elmer Garcia. He has been working with us, I guess, maybe a few months. I know Ruska's here too, so say hi, honey. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Everybody back. knows Ruska is, 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 is my little, my sidekick. Are you my sidekick or... I think or so. Sometimes it depends on you. <laughs> depends when you allow me to be your sidekick. And you know what? We've been working with Elmer Garcia for a while. And so, you know, he is uh, a real estate agent. He's also been instrumental in uh, helping us with our investments. Yes. And uh, getting us that attentive, that trustworthy, thorough, detail-oriented person that we really, really, really enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Elmer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Elmer, I'm really excited to have you because not only are you um, a part of our life now, you're kind of stuck with us. There you go. <laughs> you're stuck with Rusk and I. I'm just uh, waiting for Elmer to fire us. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, he probably will yeah, eventually. He'll get sick of us. <laughs> no, that won't happen. He hasn't seen. He hasn't seen Saddam come out yet. Right. No. Right. No. Gosh, you know we don't want that person. No, to but come Elmer's out. doing a great job. No, but um, Elmer, so we met you as a real estate agent, but you don't just do residential. You also do a little bit of commercial investment as well. And I think what we've um, encountered with you is someone who can pretty much multitask multiple things. So before we get started, I really want you to just tell us a little bit about your your history, how you got into real estate and um you know, you're lo working towards your broker's license. And I think that's something we're going to get to towards the end. But give me a little bit about who you are. Tell, yeah. my, tell my listeners. Yes, definitely. Definitely. First of all, again, thank you for having me here today. It's, uh, thank you for coming. It's, it's amazing. And yeah, a little bit about me, right? So uh, my history and my background, I'm going to start with my personal side first. Uh, I'm from El Salvador. I am a product of two immigrant parents uh, that uh, came to, to, here to Houston back in 1989. I grew up in uh, here in, in Houston, in Southwest Houston. Uh, uh, when it comes to the business background, I actually come from an oil and gas background. I did oil and gas for 15 years. 15 years, I was an analyst for a company until real estate just called me. It just kind of pulled me to, 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 to come to do real estate and, and helping people and then meeting people like you guys, right? Uh, real estate is a, is a relationship-based business, and yeah. I always love talking to people, yeah. helping people, <laughs> that's and, and, and that's how we met, actually. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's the reason why right. we became close friends is because we had a connection where we felt right. 
authenticity from Elmer, yeah, well, no, I think. We did. We, we had some mutual friends that we went to a party with. Correct. And, uh, you know, Elmer has the gift of gab. He's a chatty. He's a, <laughs> he's a fun guy. He's uh, hilarious. Mm -hmm. And uh, most importantly, he's honest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very smart, too. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, in, in this line of business that, that we do real estate, right, I always say it's a it's a relationship based business. Right. And if you're if you can't be honest and be frank about about everything, then, you know, I don't think you're doing a service to your clients. But on top of that, you know, you guys are not my clients. You guys are friends. So, yeah, I, I like to treat everyone that I do business as such. You know, and I think the one thing that um, one thing Rusk and I really look into and like look for in, in terms of people we work with as business partners or associates is someone can keep up with us. And I think that's the one thing that we really see about you is someone that can keep up with this and keep up with our, our um, just our intensity, the way we like to do things, the way we function. Um, and that's not easy because there's other real estate agents that we've worked with before and they can't. And so, you know, tell me about that motivation for you to be so um, committed to what you're doing. You know, one thing that I've always believed it and, and as a as a little kid even growing up right you always want to treat others as you want to be treated right. that's a big thing that I always believe in and that reflects on when I do real estate I always want to make sure that whoever I do business with they feel like I'm treating them like if they were a family a friend and and that's how I treat all my business all my all my uh deals that I do right with you guys for example we met through mutual friends but I felt right. that connection from the beginning mm -hmm. So therefore, I want to make sure that I do a great job by you guys by giving you that attentiveness, giving you that customer service. To me, the key is communication, communication oh. back and forth. And yeah, if, if yeah. you can't give that to, to, to your clients, then I don't think you're doing a service to them. And, and I know that to be 100 percent true, because I remember t telling you, I says, well, you know, this it's not going to work out with the realtor we're using. I says, you know, we met Elmer the other day. And Elmer had a great personality and he seemed to be understanding the way we like things done. And so I'm going to text Elmer yeah. and I'm going to say, this is the property I'm interested in and I'm going to give him five minutes. And he responds in five minutes and this is the guy we want to deal with. <laughs> and sure enough, the guy responded, I think within like two and a half minutes. I know. And, okay. he, and he didn't ask any questions. He wasn't trying to put his two cents into it or let me double check mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. He kind of understood that we mean business and Elmer just kind of went with the flow and then made the phone call and, you know, got in touch with the realtor. And then since then, you know, we've been, we've been, using Elmer and uh, making closing on properties with him. So, and that's, that's the kind of level of service that we, that we got with him because yeah. it wasn't like half an hour, I'll get back to you. I'm mm -hmm. doing this, right? Mm -hmm. The one thing I do not like is when you tell me you have personal stuff coming in front of your business, yeah, that's your, not kids, our problem. your that's kids, not your birthdays, problem. your wife's birthday, your birthday, you got some dinner. I don't care. It's business. Step outside for a second, handle it, try to make it work. And then, you know, try to give yourself some time. I get it. You know, the world doesn't revolve around, business all the time, but I don't care about your 33, your three-year-old kid's birthday. I really don't. No, I mean, no, no, no. And if you're the client, you want to make sure that you're not, uh, you're conveying uh, com competency. Right. Right. You know, I believe, like I said earlier, right, I might stress this more than once. And we're talking Please, I mean, yeah. communication is a key so to important. anything you do. Right. I mean, that goes just for not just business, but anything in life in a marriage correct in a right. marriage communication is huge in a relationship right. communication is huge in a friendship right but and you have to understand that most of the clients that i deal with this is going to be their biggest transaction of their life so you want to make sure that when you're dealing with such you give them that transparency that that communication right. that hey look everything's being taken care of i might not speak to you in a day or two but trust me that behind closed doors i'm, taking I'm working care for of you correct 
Correct. So that's 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 what I want to make sure that my clients see when they talk to me. So yeah, yeah and I definitely. think those are the building blocks for loyalty. Correct. I think that builds loyalty in people who 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 want that kind of service and really require that kind of service. And if the, and if you find investors or people that can come to you with that kind of need and you can meet that need, it's huge. It's yes. huge, and it's it's a relationship that can last for years. To be honest, no, it really and it makes a lot of it makes a world of a difference. There's so many other realtors people can choose from here in Houston. There's so many, but if if you if you hone into your craft or you right. make a difference on communication or whatever whatever you guys are looking for, and if I give it to you, then that's that's a win win situation for both. It is absolutely. Elmer, you had mentioned earlier when we had a, a conversation how you got into real estate, and it had something to do with your daughters. Yes. And tell yes, us a little is. bit about that because I love that uh, that story. Yes, yes. So forgive me if I get a little bit emotional, guys. Get emotional. I'm a girl no. dad, so my girls oh. and, yeah. and my wife mean That's... the world to me. So, yeah, so I mentioned to you earlier the reason why I got into real estate. First and foremost, I love talking to people. I love helping. But the the the, the part where, where I decided to become a realtor was it was going to allow me to have that freedom to spend time with my daughters, right? Mm -hmm. Just like any other business, what you put into the business, you're going to get out. And I knew that by getting into real estate, I was going to be successful, A, because I love helping people, B, because I love communicating people, and it was going to give me that freedom for my daughter. Uh, just a little backstory, right? Like I mentioned earlier, I'm from El Salvador, and how I decided to jump into real estate was when I was uh, taking a, a vacation to El Salvador. With my daughters, it was the first time that I had taken them to to back. Where what was, year was this? This was so I've been a realtor going on uh, five four years. I'm sorry. So I want to say maybe six years ago. Okay. Uh, I uh, we took a trip to El Salvador. I I took uh, my daughters back to where I was born, uh, and uh, we had a moment. You know, just sitting there and taking my daughters back to where I was born and and tell them, hey, look, this is where Daddy came from. That yeah. came from this small little town in El Salvador to what we have now. One, I want to make sure that they know that never take anything for granted. You know, what we have now is is more than a lot of people from South could ever hope to have or wish right, to have. Right. And and then at that moment, I said, you know, these are the type of moments that I want to spend with my daughters. And having that seven to four, clocking in, clocking out, having an answer to someone else was not going to give me that freedom that I wanted to spend time with my daughter. So I decided even on the way back, flying over to Houston, I was in my mind. I was like, you know, real estate, I think is going to give me that freedom. Yeah. How I old mean. were your girls back then? Like, so, okay. So my oldest one right now is 16. Uh, I had this, uh, this idea. Oh, she was at that time, I believe 11. Oh, 11. She was 11. And then my youngest one was uh, six, 11 and six. Uh, and you know, I had in mind that, you know, she's 11, she, she's in middle school, then she's going to go to high school, and then she's going off to college. As a father, you know, the, the, the times that you don't spend with your kids is a, is a lost time, right? So I wanted to make sure that I spent as much time as I could. And again, that 7 to 4 wasn't going to give me that time with her. Right. So I decided to jump into real estate. I knew I could make it happen. And uh, thankfully and thank God, I, I, I've, I've been pretty successful, and, and, and it has allowed me to spend more time with them. Yeah, as a father of two teenagers ourselves, mm -hmm. it was we can definitely relate to that because those are, especially with the girls, it's a little bit younger. Is that's that's the instrumental age for them, right? That's right. when they kind of need the most amount of guidance. And I think it's uh, especially now, you know, a lot, we talk a lot about, and I'm not trying to get off the subject of real estate, but but we're we're. Uh, I think a lot of time when our parents were raising us, there was a lot lot of less. There was a lot less external 
things affecting our parents. And now there's we're constantly being bombarded by negative news and information. It's 24-hour news cycle and stuff like that. So, And it's hard for yeah. that, that age group to handle all that information. We weren't privy to that information when we were our kids' age. We were kind of right. secluded in a little shelter in our homes and and we uh, had landline phones. We had yeah. landlines uh, phones, right? So they didn't have that. So this smartphone, yeah, right? Friday. So this this adolescent brain is not fully developed to handle all that kind of stuff. So you did absolutely, I think, the right thing, and I I did the right thing too when yeah. I left when I left my business as well. So I figured I needed to be there for my boys at the same time, and because what else? Why else would you have kids? Correct. You want to be a good parent. I mean, you don't want to be mediocre, just like you don't want to be mediocre what you do in your career. You don't want to be mediocre being a husband or a wife, and you don't want to be mediocre being a parent. You, right. you want to be good at being a mom and dad. You just don't throw the kids out there and let them sink or swim, and that's not the way it should be done. Yeah. No, that makes sense, though. I mean, that that uh, that time you can never get back. No, and that was one of the main reasons why I did get into real estate was to get that time with them. And, and, and the minute I got into real estate and I became a, a realtor, uh, my oldest one noticed it right off the bat. She even came up to me one time when I, I left uh, a full-time job that I had, right? Like I said, oil and gas industry, and I left it to become a full-time realtor. Uh, she noticed, Dad, you seem more at peace. Ugh. You yeah. look more at peace. Yes, so. right. what, a be- what a beautiful way to yes, validate right. what you've done, yes, right? Absolutely. To so have your daughter that even was, say something like that. Th- that was the moment that right. I knew that I had made the right, right. decision. Because obviously, you know, we as parents go through a lot behind doors, closed doors, uh, you know, that our daughters have, our kids have no idea what's going on. But one way or another, they see that stress on you. They right. see that you're stressing. You don't tell them, but they see that stress. And the minute I made the the, the jump to becoming a full-time realtor, I felt I felt that peace. I felt, I felt that, oh, my God, I have a big weight just lifted off my shoulders. I don't have to get, go to 7 or 4. I don't have to, 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 to clock and answer right. someone. And. She saw it right off the bat. She said, Daddy, yeah. you, look, you look so happy now. Yeah. yeah, you have more control of your life, Correct. your schedule. Correct. You do, right. you do. So, Omar, all three of us are, are um, children of immigrants. Do you find that uh, there's a generational curse that uh, we find ourselves having to achieve more and more and more so that we meet the expectations that our parents want for us because they took such a trek? I mean, your mother took a trek, took a, a yes. major, major risk to get to this country. Um, Rusk's parents as well, you know, they came from, uh, from Europe and mine from Mexico. Um, did you find yourself having to, to, to really make an effort to achieve, achieve, achieve because you owe them that? That's a great question. Uh, you know, yes and no, right. Uh, I don't think it's a generational curse. I think that our parents uh, gave us what they could with what they had, right? They, they didn't have the opportunities that we have here as they did, right? I believe that it yes, it does make me it does make me uh, uh, to work harder. It does make me hey look, my parents gave me the little that we had at that time with what they could. Now it's up to me to do the same thing for my daughters, but in a bigger grand scheme of things. Uh, they gave me all they could with what they had. Now it's my job to give and leave my daughters and give my daughters with what I can. But do you uh, feel the pressure to achieve achieve a lot and and really to meet those expectations? Our parents, like for example, our parents will not will not be satisfied until we've accomplished the epics, like because that's their sacrifice. They want that for us. Yes. And do you I, feel that pressure yourself? I did. 
I did. As as when I was younger, I did because one of my one of my mom's goals was always to have uh, kids that graduated college. Yeah, that, that yeah, is yeah, that yeah, is yeah. that is their dream, right? They come to this country to give us a better life, and in their minds. Reaching, reaching a goal such as graduating college was a major, major thing for my parents. So, yes, I did feel the pressure from them when it came to education and making sure that I graduated and went to college and got a degree. Because one thing they yeah. always told me is no one can take that education from you. No one can take and it from you. So on that That's aspect, yes, correct. I did feel the pressure, and, 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 and thankfully I did go to college and I did graduate. So they, they're very happy and content with that. But when it comes to the business aspect, they've always just wanted the best for me. Whatever, whatever made me happy, whatever I, I did with my life, uh, they supported. And to this day, they, they're very excited uh, on my new uh, second career that I have now. So that's fantastic. That, that sounds like some great wonderful. parents, right? That's ultimately what you're looking for in parents is to keep you in demand, keep you to be demanding of you and to keep you in check, but also to be supportive of Correct. what you want to do. Yeah, because it's interesting that even like when I graduated college, I think my dad finally took a breath and he was like, okay, go do whatever you want. You have a college degree. Um, You know, Rusk and I were were, were dating and I told my dad, I said, well, you know, I feel like I want to go with my boyfriend to New York. I mean, that that would be like such a no-no. But my dad was like, you graduated college. Do do whatever you want. Like, I don't care anymore. Go have fun. And it's so funny how yeah. my dad was like a really strict, like very authoritarian father because he's like, no, no, no. You got to finish school. You got to do your school. You got to do your school. Like it was, it was, in, it was ingrained in me from the moment I yeah, was right. little, a little girl. And for Rusk as well, his parents, the way he, they were motivating him to, to, to do that and achieve more. And I don't even know that it, even like in our business in success in business, matters to them as much as like you have your college education right. you're good yeah. you're good it's, it's funny you say that because <laughs> yeah. I, I feel the same way as yeah. well yes. to them me just graduating college was a success in its own right, right. that's it uh, they that's came all to they this wanted. country to yes. give us a better education right. a better life and they felt that the minute i graduated college right they can yeah. breathe a little bit yeah. better now and just getting that degree that was the same situation for me too once once i walked across that stage i think whole load of weight came off my parents shoulders what happened after that i don't think they were as concerned no, but no. they just knew that you had a you had <laughs> no. something to fall back on right yeah yet they're supportive though right they're supportive, after, oh, right. Yeah, of they're supportive course. yeah they're supportive sometimes they don't understand what i do um i tell i try to explain to my parents what a <laughs> podcast is and they're like i don't get it i don't yeah. understand it's Es como el radio? Yeah, my parents, my parents don't get it either. Yeah. Sí, es it's como just, la radio. It's, it's just modern day radio. I know. Right. And so, but my dad's like, Drink but are you album. happy? Are you doing good? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I love it. It's the best thing. My dad's like, great, great. That's good. Fantastic. You're that's happy, wonderful. they're happy. Exactly. That's how they see everything now. Um, you so, know, so how, long have you been, how long have you been married, Elmer? Oh, and, why are you going to put and me go, on the spot? Go, like go, go ahead and mention. <laughs> oh, are you going to tell him to say the anniversary date and everything? No, I mean, don't no, put him on no, the spot. No. So, uh, <laughs> we, we've been married going on 13 years. 13 years. Uh, we've right. been together going on 16 years. Fantastic. Yep. Want to throw Marjorie in the. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> I've been married to my lovely wife, Marjorie. There you go. Marjorie, uh, like I said, for 13 years, but together right. for 16 years. Fantastic. Honduran, yeah. She's Honduran, yes. right? Yeah. She, uh, she is. Uh, she was born here in Houston, right? But she, uh, her parents are from Honduras. Correct. Right. Correct. I love it. So and she's and she's an assistant principal, and she wants to work on her. Cor- correct. T- so on her doctor, uh, right? Correct. So by trade, my wife is a, a CPA. She's an accountant. Uh, a little bit about her. She she was an accountant. Um, she became an accountant when our daughters were pretty young. Uh, they were, I believe. Uh, 
six and one at that point in time. And, you know, an accountant job is very demanding. Right. It was a seven to seven type deal. And uh, there was times where she would leave to work. She wouldn't see my daughters. She would come back after work. Uh, the girls were at sleep. So she uh, decided to move on to her second career, which is teaching. She now teaches and she loves teaching. She started as a Fantastic. teacher. On to specialist, right. and now she's a assistant principal. Uh, it's it's just it's such an underappreciated and undervalued profession, and the monetary compensation that they get for the contribution to society that teachers contribute is just really just doesn't even come close. Right? I've I've sat there. I remember telling the story to Alicia several times when Alex used to. Uh, get out of school and I would sit there in the teacher's parking lot because I never follow the rules. If they tell me to park over there for parent pickup, <laughs> I park where it's convenient for me. As you can see, I'm parked in handicapped over there. Mm-hmm. So, and I used to park in the teacher's parking lot, but the point of my story is that teachers, I would see teachers walking in to their vehicles and they would just literally be throwing their, their suitcase or their backpacks and they were just stressed out. Imagine dealing with adolescents, middle school, high yeah, school, no. hormonal, no. moody kids, yes. right? No, it's they don't not appreciate easy. anything. It's There's nobody. Difficult. They all hate the teachers. They're all losers. They're all. Yes. And, and getting paid, I don't know what they get paid to listen to that shit. I'm like, unbelievable. I, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't envy their position. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. I think they're underpaid and, and underappreciated. I never realized how much teachers do until my wife became one. Yeah, uh, no, she for became sure. One, and, and then the stories that I hear and everything that she goes from from a day to day basis is just so much, and, and it makes me just really appreciate educators. And yes, yeah. definitely underpaid. No, for sure. And I think I, uh, you know, when I was uh, teaching and Russ had a, had his shop. He would put a box of donations because I was always buying things for my kids. Oh. And so at the shop, he would put a box of donations and his clients and his uh, customers would come in and, and donate money for the fund because, you know, I was always buying things for my yes. students. Like I was always, because I knew a lot of them couldn't afford things. Yes. So I would have to go out. And so one day he just had an idea to put a, a little donation box. Like yeah. He would say to his customers, you know, my wife is a teacher, you know, if you want to donate to her fund, like she buys, you know, supplies and things for her kids. Yes. And so that was another way. And it's true. Like when you're married to a teacher, you really realize that, um, it takes a toll on them. It's not just emotional and physical. Oh, yes. Mental. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, you know, funny you mentioned that about, about buying supplies for your students. My yeah. wife is the same way, yeah. right? She I used really, to do She that. really, really enjoys what she does. And she always wants to go above and beyond to help her students. And sometimes it's the small little things that count, right? It's small, uh, a small little, little pencil, a little small notepad that their parents probably can't afford. You know, my wife teaches in a, in a district where it's, uh, underprivileged kids, right? A lot of a lot of uh, uh, poverty. I guess you could say poverty, but they can't afford a uh, right. pencil or a notebook. So yeah, right. she's always trying to go above and beyond and help them, whatever. And that, and that's you know it's 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 sad because it's uh, we live in one of the greatest countries in the in the world, and we can't uh, provide you know the basic needs, the necessities for a good public education. It's it's pathetic. It really yeah. is. Yeah. It's really is. Really is. So, Elmer, let's go back to real estate and let's talk a little bit about um, the current market. Uh, I have a few, a lot of my audience knows that uh, Ruska and I are in real estate, we do investments. So tell us a little bit about the current market and where do you think it's heading for the 2023? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, the market, as we all know, is shifting. Uh, we had the, the COVID time where it was a very hot market. 
uh, rates were were at an all time low, uh, sub sub three at times, and it was a seller's market at the time. People were selling their properties. People were overpaying for them, overpaying for homes. We had out of town people from California, from New York, from Florida coming into Houston and buying real estate. But now, since the rates have gone up, it has shifted. Uh, it is becoming more of a uh, buyer's market. Buyer's market slash. Well, let's just back up just a little bit. Why why was that over COVID? What was it about COVID that made the economy, sh- the real estate economic shift to where people just went bonkers? What was it about that particular situation? Because I think a lot of people don't understand what it, it is happening now, and, and they always compare it to what it was what it was two years ago. And two years ago was an anomaly. What's happening now is kind of what it's really the norm, right? But what was happening? To, I think people need to hear what's hap- what happened two years ago to make that situation not the norm. Why, why was why were people doing what they were doing? Well, uh, first of all, I mean, we can always accredit all that to the rates, right? The, the feds dropped the rates and therefore it affected everything we do. Interest rates dropped from one day to the other. Uh, I think COVID hit in 2020. It started around February. Yeah. March, obviously, uh, they dropped the rates. Therefore, people got more buying power. When there's a lower interest rate, you can afford more of a home. So, therefore, people started purchasing more, and actually, the market just blew up. I became a uh, it was it was a seller's market, yes, because like I said, the interest rates uh, it allowed people to get more buying power. Therefore, they started buying more. But at the same time, it was a buyers and sellers market at the same time. So, yes, it, we accredited all that during COVID was the rates. Why was it a buyers market? It was a buyer's market because, like I just mentioned, right, whenever you're buying a home, what dictates your monthly payment and what dictates what you can buy is is directly affected by the interest rate. Interest rate now right. versus what it was then, right. It's a we're talking about three, four-point difference. Right. If your interest rate is at a 3% interest rate, therefore, you can afford more of a home at that point in time. And therefore, it made it a seller's market because so many more buyers came Correct. came into the came online to the market searching for properties, searching for something that they couldn't afford just a year before, and now they're looking for something that they say, "Hey, I, I couldn't get it, but I can I could capitalize on this particular situation now." So, and so then sellers decided, sellers decided, I'm going to take advantage of this and mark up the prices a little bit, right? Just to give you an example, I, I was working with a client at that time, pre-COVID. At that time. Uh, I was a great friend of mine. He says, Omar, I'm ready to purchase a home. Obviously, the first step of getting a home is getting pre-approved to see what that buying power is. He uh, applied, uh, got an interest rate, I believe, at that point in time, uh, almost 5%. Uh, his payment was going to be a little bit higher than what he could afford. I believe at that point in time, it was going to be close to $3,000. He was like, you know what? I really can't put myself in that bind. I can't afford this type of payment. I'm going to hold off. And this was around January time frame of 2020. COVID hit. It changed everything. That same client that couldn't afford a home in January mm-hmm. came around March, April. Rates dropped. The payment that was almost $3,000 in January became a payment of $2,400 right. come March. So that buying power is what gave, uh, it was a buyer's market. But like you said, at the same time as a buyer's market, it was a seller's market because people were buying. We couldn't keep inventory. Uh, there was no sure. inventory. Everybody was buying and buying. Therefore, it became a seller's market. Friends, here are a few ways that you can support us by supporting my sponsors. Elmer Garcia, Realtor, and AVS Concepts, Audio and Video Home Entertainment. Those are my sponsors. Go follow them. You can find the information on the description. The other way you can also 
find out of everything that we're doing is join our newsletter at tbbyalicia.com and that's going to give you all the things that we're talking about everything all the resources all the stuff that you want to know the other way that you can also support us and keep our podcast striving is through joining our global vibes insider community what is that what is the global vibes global insider it is a group where you can come in as an insider and subscribe and join to the community. And it was created for you to inspire you, to educate, to show how you can craft the life you wish to live. It is filled with experiences, including in-person events, business masterminds, speakers, resources. You get shout outs in the podcast. We invite you to workshops. We get to go on local trips and even wine tastings. So how do you get to join that group? So you'll go to my website at tbbyalicia.com, and then you select the community group, and there's three tiers. The first tier is the secret tier. It's for $10, and that includes a T-shirt, a signed book by me, and a shout-out on the podcast, $10 a month. The next tier is the explorer tier, and that is for $25 a month, and it's a T-shirt, a book, and a shout-out. Plus, I'm including a one monthly one-to-one chat with me, and those are monthly one-on-one chats with me. You don't want to miss those. Those are amazing 30-minute one-to-one chats for $25. And the last tier is a $45 Globe Trotter, and that includes all the things I mentioned before, the t-shirt, the book, the monthly one-on-one, the shout-out on the podcast. Plus, you get invite to um, members only, insider only events, a welcome travel gift box. You know, I bring great things for my travels. And also I'm adding a digital style mood board for you. It includes styling. It includes accessories, um, everything customized and personal for you. Again, this is how you can contribute and you can be a part of us and you help us keep our podcast thriving. I hope you join. So, you know, in terms of where we're heading and after COVID and all the things that are happening, do you see there is a shift between um, people moving to the suburbs or people moving into the city? Yeah. So uh, the suburbs has always been uh, the great thing of people, right? People always want to live uh, in the suburbs because you have proximity to live. For example, I live in Richmond, Texas. That's considered the suburbs. I love the suburbs because I have everything close to me. I have shopping. I have grocery stores that have restaurants in the suburbs and 82% of all buyers statistically have purchased in the suburbs. And this is, this is something that uh, the national realtors association has put out in 82% have purchased in the suburbs and have continued to purchase in the suburbs. Is that because living is more affordable in the suburbs? Yes, correct. That, that is why. And, and, and uh, obviously the suburbs uh, you, you have uh, more, more choices than when you do in the city as well. Sure. Right. Do you see more of like the work from home culture remaining for a while or do you see it uh, changing? You know, I, I think it's going to stick around for a while. Think so, I, yeah. I, I think I think COVID changed that completely. A lot of companies went to work from home status when COVID and they have remained, have remained in, in that status work from home. So are people looking for offices at home? Yes. So that that's is, something definitely we need to consider yes. in, in terms yes, of right. uh, sellers. Yeah. Yes. So, Office area. So, so that is one of the key factors that a lot of the buyers that I work with during that stay at home COVID era was the main thing was I need a separate space for myself to work. So so here, just to kind of feed off of that, what, what is the price point of 
buyers looking for properties that they can work from home? Because that's not all economic classes. That's certain economic classes that translates into what price point for the property. Uh, Because, you know, folks that can afford nothing against anybody that can afford anything less. I'm just saying that if that particular, if that's the case, then that's not the $150,000 home or $200,000. What price point is that? uh, Upwards of $300,000. Upwards of 300000 around 350000 You right. can get a nice home with that extra extra bedroom you can convert into an office, or you have that home that already has that study built into the home. So, yeah, it, of course, right, you, you can have homes that are 150 200 that might have that extra room you can convert, but to have that actual space, it's yeah. upwards of 300000 So you got to look for something 300 and up to be able to find an extra, uh, maybe a fourth bedroom that can be a flex space that can be converted into... It could be a bedroom, but could be converted into a study. Correct. You know, we do a lot of networking events. Rusk and I love to go to networking events. I think it's a great way to kind of meet people and know, you know, kind of like a like a gauge where the trends are in terms of real estate, in terms of multifamily units, if, what's happening in, in, in the investment world. So one of the main conversations that we come across all the time is something that people ask us all the time is like, what do you have to do to purchase a property and turn it into a rental or turn it into a flip? What are the differences and what can people do if they're seeking to become investors themselves? Yeah. So for, first I always say, right, try to find out what kind of investor you want to be or, or you are, right? You either have a investor, like you just mentioned, that's a flip. They need to look at different criteria than someone like that's doing a buy and hold. Buy and hold and flips are totally different criteria. I always tell people, First, define what kind of investor you want to be, then we can go from there. So when you're looking at in terms of, just to add to it a little bit more, what are you looking for? If, if somebody wants to be a renter, they're not necessarily looking for equity right off the bat, right? Correct. And a flipper is looking for equity right off the bat. Correct. They're the looking for that, the bottom line. They want that built-in equity, and then they, yes. they're going to use that built-in equity to do what? So obviously, okay, so let me just backtrack here. So when you're, when you're doing the bottom line is what matters to them. Right. You're going to look at it differently than you're going to do a, a, a buy and hold play, which is more of like what you guys do, right? Renters. When you're doing a flip, you want to make sure that that after repair value is is what you're looking for. And if that hits the number that you're looking for, then you move forward with, with, that, uh, with that home. So let's run through an example. Let's say that uh, you have a property that came on the market for 200000 that that has an after repair value of 200000 what, what is a tip that if, if, an, if a flipper is looking for somebody that's coming new into the game, somebody that wants, uh, I want to see, and I'm tired of my nine to five kind of job. Mm-hmm. You hear these stories all the time, tired right. of the corporate world, kind of like yourself, uh, 10, 15 years, they want to have more control over their lives and have more flexibility. So they want to come into this market. I want to do some flipping. I got this cash I saved up. I was in the oil and gas industry. I got about 250, 300,000 saved up. I could put maybe 200,000 towards a, towards a, Property. And so we go to these networking events and they ask us, how do you do it? And I said, well, you know, there's, there's certain steps you got to look at if you don't necessarily have a realtor. So besides, besides the realtor coming in, let's say, put yourself in the shoes of somebody like a flipper and they find, they identify a property. What is it? What is the easiest way for them to take a look to see uh, if this property is, is correctly priced uh, for a flipping situation, flipping situation? Right. So the golden rule that everybody goes by is that uh, 
70, 30% rule, right? It's that you want to make sure you buy a property that's 30% below ARV, which is after repair value. Uh, you always want to buy a property that where whenever you're going to put in the cash into fixing it, you're still going to get a nice return at the end. Again, when you're flipping, the bottom line is what matters to these guys. So one thing that I always tell investors that want to flip, make sure you send me the properties. I will look at, see if the property is, is, is priced correctly. And how I do that is I run the comps in the area, make sure that it can sell for whatever the after repair value is. Just to give you an example, if you're trying to buy a property that's going to be uh, after repair value is going to be 200000 you want to make sure that you buy the property at around one twenty or one thirty. That's just, a, 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 I guess, a golden rule. Make right. sure you get it 30% below after repair value. And 30%, I think, is a good marker. I think it's yes. something that people can fall back on. It's not exactly... No. It can be a little bit less. It could be, obviously, it could be a lot more if, if, this, if, if, you, know, if you come across a, a great, you know, great property because then you have to consider what after you buy that property. Correct. And you always got to account for where the property is going to be in a year or two or three, right? Which makes a lot of difference whenever you're going to buy a property. Some people not be, might be looking at a 20% after repair value or 25%, but it just depends where your end goal is with that property. If you want to go ahead and make that quick buck and flip the property and sell it, most people want to get that 25% to 30% after repair value. But if it's a property that you're going to buy, and keep for long-term play and you're going to rent it out, then the after repair value really doesn't come into play much. But it's, uh, <clears throat> what about uh, in terms of you get, you got, you found a 30% rule, you found a property that has an ARV of 200 K and then you do the 30%, you're now down to somewhere around the 130, 140 area. How much, you, how much should a, how much should a flipper possibly spend on the rehab without going over? Uh, again, that's, it's kind of like an open-ended question, right? It depends how much the, the investor wants to, right. wants to make at the end. Everybody has their individual goal, how much they want to get out of a flip. I, I always say you never want to spend. Well, you what, never, do, what do you think a flipper should get out of a spend? Oh, man, uh, anywhere between uh, uh, 10%, 10, 10%, 10, 10, right. 10 to 15%. I think that's I a great think number, that's, right? that's a great return. Right. That's a great return on investment. But then that you makes have, sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people... Uh, get greedy sometimes and yeah. they want to get that 30% return or yeah. 40%, which is totally fine. Right. You have different investors. But, uh, but it's fine. But is it realistic? Uh, no, it's not realistic. Not realistic. It's not realistic. Yeah, and that's my experience too. 10 to 15 to 20 is, I think 20 is the tops. Yes. 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 Unless you got some kind of strange situation where you inherited a property or something Correct. like that, but not in terms of, uh, you know, right. True. Sorry. That's true. true. Right. Question: What's next? You're like on a roll. <laughs> no, we, I just said you're like what? Me and talking about real estate, so we can go on forever talking right. about this. No, so, he so, can. He loves it. So he loves the, it. The, the, the flipping side is is obvious. Is you got to find an after repair value that has at least thirty percent possibility margin because you're going to have to rehab the property. You got to consider the commissions and the closing costs, right? Because that's all kind of on the seller's uh, dime. But then you get into the rental, and the rental is a very different ball game, right? Cash on cash return. Yeah, cash on cash return, and then the appreciation and the growth of the asset comes years down the road. So you're really building up just the cash flow for the time being, and then hopefully one day that particular submarket uh, grows enough to where you can probably sell it for maybe even you know uh, profit after, again after that. 
So here's a question for both of you. If the person has money in the bank, they want to park somewhere. Is real estate a reasonable place to park it and make some money? Yes. Because there's a lot of people that are like pissed yes. off at the at the stock market right now. And they're like, oh, yes. I'm done with this shit. I don't want to do the stock market anymore. What do you guys think? Yes, I, I think real estate is a great, great, uh, great place where you can park your money and let it uh, let it gain equity as the years go by. Right. Okay. We were just talking about different type of investors from the you have the flipper, then you have the people that are long term whole plate type of investors, which yeah. that's where the cash on cash return comes into play. A lot of people, you know, always want a uh, 10 to 15 percent cash on cash return. That is just the norm that a lot of people use. Then you have people that look further on than the cash and cash return. Some are content with that 8%, 9% because they look at the future of the property and where right. the property is going right. to go. Uh, and just to go back to the question you just asked, whenever you have cash sitting in your bank, it's not gaining anything. Uh, you're not getting any, any, anything on that money. Why not park it on the property? Yeah. Buy it for 200000 sit on the property, get your cash on cash return, let it be 8%, 9%. And just sit on it for 10 to 15 years. The way the market has been going, it's statistically gaining year by year by year. Right. It's going to gain more if you buy the property than you leave your money in the bank. Right. Oh, Elmer's, I think, uh, absolutely correct. Yeah, sure. I think the best uh, possible situation is to be diverse in both, diversified in both the stock market, the bond market, and real estate, because both particular investment categories have their cycles. Yes. You know, stock market uh, appreciates too. Uh, we all seen what, you know, 30, no, 40 right, years right, down right. the road, you get eight, nine percent growth and the real estate does as well. But when interest rates go up, the value of real estate goes down. And uh, so it, they both have their pitfalls. But the difference between real estate, I think, and the stock market is you have control over your still somewhat because at the end of the day, it's yours. And the stock market is kind of in the hands of other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. hands of CEOs and boardrooms and and larger economic forces and real estate is like, well, at the end of the day, you still have a piece of property. It's a form of shelter. Shelter has value. And therefore somebody's going to want it at some point. So true. So if someone is a seller and they wanted to put their home on a listing and they want to come to you, what is the first thing you say you've got to work on and you got to fix? What's that one thing you say to them? Got to get this right. You know, you always want to make sure you get a home list ready. Okay. That's what I like to say. Get a home list ready. Uh, you don't want to show a, a home that is not, uh, you know, it's not painted or, or has little things that you want to fix. Mm-hmm. I always say, let's fix these things prior to listing it. One thing you never want to do is leave the buyer with an open imagination as to what's wrong with the home. Right. Uh, get the home list ready. Make sure that if you want to paint, make sure you slap a coat of paint on the on the property. And uh, if it's vacant, let's stage it, making sure that people can uh, actually see the value of the home. But one thing, one thing they can definitely invest in, like you say, that needs to be done. What area right. of the home? What oh. area of the home? Oh, kitchen or restroom. Ah, kitchen, kitchen or restroom. Because, you know, because we know, you know, I have a wife, you have a wife. <laughs> they have the last say-so on the house we're going to buy. Let's just be honest. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. If yes. you're out there it's shopping true. for a home. I, I, I don't concede to much in this world. <laughs> you do concede to that. Sometimes, but I, I, I have a big mouth too. I, I, yeah, I, say, I, say, I say investing in the, investing in the kitchen and the, the restroom. The kitchen, right? And the restrooms. Correct. You'll get more return on, on, on that. I always tell people, look, uh, uh, slap up a uh, coat of paint makes a I love it. You know one thing that has always sold our restrooms when we do our flips is the lighted uh, mirror. Yep. 
The LED mirrors. The LED mirrors. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. People love those, especially if like they're women and they're doing like their little Instagram account yes. and they're doing that, that, yeah. uh, their makeup tutorials. Those yes. are amazing. And, uh, because I think every single house that we flipped right. has those LED mirrors. Yeah, and they do. Yeah. And then, because, you know, it's kind of like a built in personal thing. Yes. Like, like a little vanity. It's little like vanity, a vanity, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's, it's just for you. Great lighting. Great lighting. And, 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 they're, and they're not expensive. You can, get, not, you can yeah. get them on Amazon for like a hundred bucks, maybe $120. You can know, electrician out there it. for not that much more and they hook it up for you. Yeah. That's, that's so one of the kitchen, things. That so we kitchen and kitchen. restrooms. Yes. It's in the restroom. So uh, I guess it makes sense because that's kind of probably where you spend most of your day anyway. Correct. <laughs> correct. You know, no, no, that is true. That is true. I mean, women spend a lot of time in the kitchen and, you yeah. know. And the men in the restroom reading, reading the financial times. Men, men get the restroom or, or, or want to have that peace and quiet. <laughs> that peace and quiet. No, but yeah, I, I always tell my, my sellers that we want to list a home. Make sure you invest on the things that are going to give gotcha. you the best return on, 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 your, on your investment. So, yeah. yeah. I love that. That's a great advice. It's something that definitely needs to happen. So, Elmer, let's just get into some little uh, one fun question just some because cheese, I'm obsessed. Made. Just because I'm obsessed Elmer with all the real estate. El Elmer admitted uh, off, <laughs> offline. What? He's a cheesemate kind of guy. Oh, he's a cheesemate oh, kind of guy. Yeah, God. I love the cheesemate. You know you love your, your cheesemate, too. Uh, his, uh, uh, his wife Okay, Russ, Russ will say this, but Russ is just as obsessed as I am on the real estate shows, like Million Dollar Listing, oh, yeah. Selling <laughs> Sunset, Selling OC. Russ loves him as much as I oh. do. I admit it. You do. I, I I don't know about the selling sunset. I'll tell you why, because that's extremely superficial to me. I know, it's I know. So, so superficial. It's just but like the million dollar listing New York and oh, LA you love. You right. know Flag, you know Altman, because you know those, those guys, Frederick. Those guys are real. <laughs> even and not just those guys. I mean, even what's her name? Tracy. Tracy. Tracy right. They're, they're Tracy. fantastic. They get into the trenches. They do the negotiating. Do you think they portray realtors realistically, Elmer? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, no, right. no uh, at the end of the day we have we have to we have to understand it. it's actually a show guys right it's a show right yeah. yes i love watching them i am a victim of all these shows can never get into selling sunset it's just too much of a drama show but what, yeah, what about what about what about when you encounter the realtors but what about when you sell like a home in west U or you sell a home in river oaks because that's when we yeah. see those shows like million dollar listings beverly hills we, that's our connection is like we think of those realtors because there's there's like these you get this list of yeah. realtors that sell the million dollar homes in Houston. They come out every year. It's the same three or four people all the time. What Martha, the Martha Turners? Martha Turners. <laughs> now, now it's Douglas Elliman, I think, Douglas right? Elliman, they, they, yeah. Right. And is but that's not the case, right? Even those people that sell those homes. I mean, do you those people that sell those homes? That's not how it is on TV, right? No, God, no, no. You know, every time I watch these shows, I always get a laugh <laughs> at it, right? Because right. Uh, I watch all these shows from the beginning of HGTV. Everybody watches HGTV. Oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, all and, the uh, rehabs and flips. And, right. Yeah. And, and those are the shows that just... And get, they make it look so easy and fun. They and they're it, not easy and fun. But it can be. It can be it fun. Can be, it can but be, but they're easy, usually not. But they make it seem like it's just from A to B, and that's right. just not true. Right. There's times where they sit here on 
on TV and negotiate for the client, which is something we as realtors never negotiate for our clients. Right. We always have to consult with our clients and we legally, 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 exactly. Right, right. Legally. Even if you get a bullshit offer for exactly. hundred thousand less than the price, exactly. you legally are obligated to reach out, right? Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. These shows do not depict what, right. uh, what we go through as a day to day, uh, uh, day as a realtor. Yeah. They're fun to watch, yeah. uh, you know, watching all these million dollar sales in LA and yeah. New York and yeah. so forth. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, they don't do a great job of depicting what our lives are on a right. day-to-day basis. Right. I, I, think, I, think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of those shows leave out the the weeds of their of their work, right? They'll 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 bring out uh, a twenty million dollar home or seventy five million dollar home out there in Beverly Hills somewhere. It's like, wow, look at this, and it's an amazing, beautiful home, and of the course. developer did a great job. But what they don't show you is all the other shit they sell in between. They'll get that $175 million home a year or every two years or $120 million. But then they got all these three, $400,000 houses Correct. that just never makes it on TV. No, no. God, no, they won't. You know, and again, right, again, I always tell my clients, it's a show. show uh, they right. always want to put the biggest and <laughs> right. brightest and the most expensive But the problem is that the show's influential. It really and is. And we all think that our realtors should be just like those people, right? <laughs> hey, look, I can tell you something right now. You know, it's up to the realtor to educate the clients. Look, it's right. not an HGTV it's type not of HGTV, scenario. Right. You always this have is the real world. Exactly. I love that. And I think the one thing we definitely take from these shows are the design ideas. Yes. Oh, one thing we yes. definitely take from these shows, Rusk and I have been able to implement in a few, in a few ways is the design ideas, the way they go about um, redesigning a restroom and redesigning a kitchen to make it look luxe and um, and expensive without spending a lot of yes. money. And so that's something that we definitely take on when we do our flips and our designs is like we look at those shows in terms of inspiration. It really isn't uh, to live life them. It's really like to be inspired what they're doing and, right. and how they're achieving things. Yeah, inspirational for sure. That's one thing, right? I know that I've, I've, I've changed... I changed from when I was I wasn't a realtor. My favorite shows were the million dollar listings and and the LAs. And now that I'm a realtor, now I'm more in the on hands type. I like the Property Brothers or the fixture yeah, upper DIY. type shows. Correct, yeah. because that that actually is more of what I do on a day to day basis. Yes, I one day would love to sell nothing but million dollar homes. Yeah. Uh, hopefully down this <laughs> down the line. But uh, yeah, I like the smaller shows that depict what our actual day to day life is as a realtor. So yeah. Sure. But I love even, that. But even in the million-dollar homes, Elmer, you would probably admit that, that though that may seem sexy, there's a whole different set of challenges. Oh, I mean, you it can, comes with that. That comes yes. with that because we had we had done some flips in the higher price market mm-hmm. area. It's a whole different, uh, it's a whole different uh, set of clientele. It's buyers. a niche market. It's, it's a, a niche, very, it's, it's a, a very niche, market, niche market, right? Correct. And and instead of doing, you know, instead of uh, selling homes, I got I can sell five in a month at two hundred thousand dollars. You're going to sell this one million dollar home. It's going to take three to four months because the folks that can afford that price point are definitely more discerning. Definitely more. Actually, we have I have a friend that's an investor and he has a one point six million dollar home out there mm-hmm. near Briar Oaks mm-hmm. by that uh, Ritz Carlton, whatever it's called now. And uh, he was telling me. I said, so I said, you had an open house, and I was asking him, I said, so what, what are these buyers looking for? Well, they want to know if they have a mosquito spray system in the back of your house. Oh. They, they want to know if the house has an elevator. They want to know if the uh, if, they, if it comes with the pool service. It's like, oh, my God, these things aren't even, the, I'm doing these homes for $200,000. <laughs> no, that doesn't um, even roof, the roof challenges. foundation. Yeah. Mosquito Those are the challenges that yes. we don't have to worry about when you're dealing with a $200,000 home or even a $300,000 home, right? Says, you got to be kidding me, right? They want a mosquito spray. He goes, well, you know, it's they can afford a $2 million home. They want that. Yeah. 
Well, that's interesting. All right. So, Elmer, before we go, your favorite places in Houston to set up a meeting. Go. Oh, God. Okay. It's just uh, saying like a coffee meeting or something you want. Coffee you meeting. I always, I always like going <laughs> to the small coffee shops. I... You know, I'm I'm a type of guy just like you guys. You yeah, mentioned we yeah, support yeah. local businesses, and we uh, do love supporting local. Yes, I, I don't. I like uh, I like uh, friend of mine, Brian. He owns a couple of uh, coffee shops uh, out in Katy, one in Richmond, and one in Katy. It's um, what's the name of Brian's? Uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, okay, what about for dinner? When you want to go out for dinner? Uh, dinner, I always like going uh, to local Mexican spots. I like to Lopez, Lopez Mexican restaurant. Oh, yeah, yes. not far from here. Right, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a locally, right, local, right on West Timer. local family, family-owned uh, restaurant. Uh, there's different spots that I like actually uh, going. Uh, I took Russ to one of them. Yes, it was uh, fantastic. What one? was the name of that place? I told Lisa, but I couldn't remember, yeah, the, name couldn't remember the, the, place, uh, the place. No, it's uh, Taqueria Laredo on, uh, on uh, Washington. Okay. It's right. Have, have you been there? No, no, oh, okay. no. Oh. I haven't been yet. It was really no, good. No, it but really he good. told me that he loved it and yeah. it was great. I'm like, what's the name of it? And he couldn't think of the name. Right. You were like struggling so, with that. It was so obvious. It was, right <laughs> on. <laughs> it was on Washington by that other Tex-Mex place, the Tacos to, tacos to Go-Go. Oh, Tacos yes. to Go-Go. Yeah. No, like it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a family-owned business. Yeah. It's been around for quite some time. And it, they their tacos and their menudo. So, Omar, where can people find you? Oh, God, my name is Unique. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn by my name, Omar Garcia, uh, and Omar Garcia Bilingual Realtor. I oh, do TikTok okay, as you're well. in the TikTok game. Yeah, well, my 11-year-old daughter keeps me up. I, I love she, that. She I does mean, all my videos. She edits them. So, yes, I'm in TikTok I struggle well. with TikTok so much, and I ask everybody else to please do it for me because I just can't <laughs> do it. I just can't. I can't. I can't get into that's it. That's a generation too far removed for you. you know, I'm too old. I'm uh, almost know, 50. I can't. That's why I let my 11-year-old daughter do it for me. <laughs> yes, Perfect. She keeps me relevant with the TikTok. You know what? Our kids our kids are so savvy. Yeah, with they that stuff. It's amazing. They keep us young. They really do. They really do. But it's amazing what uh, what produces content and what makes money off of that mm-hmm. stuff. It's mm-hmm. like these people are acting like idiots in our generation, but people love that stuff. Yes. It's just whatever. I'm I'm for it if it makes money. Correct. If you want to jump off a building and, and you know, make money, make money and die, do it, then I don't then care. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> do what you have to do. And then you have me that takes time on oh. I'm making a nice informational video about helping you buy and sell a house and it gets only and then you have a youngster like my daughter, 11-year-old. She just posted a video on TikTok a few days ago. She has over 1,000 views. Yeah, that's crazy. She needs to she needs to take over your brand management. Yeah. I, th- I think she will. Our yeah. kids need to do that yes. for us. They're, I think so, too. They're really good at it, like Elmer, it's been a pleasure yeah. having you on. Elmer is also a sponsor of our podcast. Thank you so much for being a sponsor. If you ever need a bilingual realtor, need somebody who's trustworthy, experienced, and attentive, you guys need to reach out to Elmer. His email is elmero.realtor at gmail.com, or you can also call him at 832-512-5752. And you can also find him on on Instagram, guys. You go find him on Instagram, Elmer Garcia underscore real estate. Someone who will have your back and definitely will look out for you in terms of your investments or as a buyer or as a seller. Please reach out to him. If you have any questions or want more information about what we're talking about, 
uh, reach out to us. We are at, at Vice by Alicia on Instagram, or you can also find me at my personal account, the underscore Alicia E. You do not want to miss out what's going on. And please, please go follow my sponsor. Thank you so much, Elmer. Elmer's actually been a fantastic realtor. I'm not easy to work with. And, no, we know that. And Elmer has taken this. Elmer has taken my bullshit in stride. He's rolled with the punches, gone with the flow. He's like, sometimes it works. Sometimes I'm just gonna go with this guy. I'm just gonna roll no, with this guy. No, no, you, you, you've been a pleasure to work with. I'm, I, you know, you make thank you. You, you, you're you, so you, sweet. you make yourself out to be the bad guy. Watch out, Elmer. Watch out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Okay, let me, let me rephrase that. You've been, uh, you've been great to work with thus so, far. Thus far. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually a pretty good guy. Good. No, 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 but there's a, there's always a, a, a reward at the end. Thank you so much, Elmer. Thank you. Thank it was you amazing. Thanks, Thanks for coming so on. much. It was yes. great. Awesome. Thank you. Friends, I must tell you, I know the place to go if you need house audio, TV installation, security monitoring. I am telling you, these people are so, so good that I cannot wait to share them with you. AVS Concepts is the place to get all of these things taken care of. They're the experts in audio video. If you are entertaining and you need music, call them. If you just purchased a new house and you want to have security, you've got to call them. They are the best at all of this for you. I am so excited to share them with you. They are new sponsors for the podcast. You will not not regret having them in your house. They can put anything up and create the most amazing surround sound. I am telling you, when I watch my movies, I like to watch them with surround sound. And thanks to AVS Concepts, I can do that. Follow them at their Instagram account, AVSC underscore HTX, or you can also find them at their website, avcschouston.com. And tell them that Alicia from Vice by Alicia sent you and they will take care of you. I promise you.